Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. My next guest would be loving the Guns N' Roses right about now, too, but uh, we only got one set of headphones. That's because we're broadcasting remote from Bozeman, Montana. It is Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. If you're watching on the TV, you probably see this an empty studio there coming from the ESPN studios in Missoula, and that's because I'm sitting down at my favorite establishment in Bozeman. I'm sitting down at the Cat's Paw with my good buddy Ty Gregorak. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show from Nuanez Now, you can find it in the podcast like you always can. Just go to 1029ESPN.com or subscribe to Nuanez Now on all your various podcasts platforms had a debut on this show earlier brent vegan new head football coach from montana state university joining us on nuanas now we also heard from members of the grizz men's basketball team and the montana state men's basketball team and we'll continue your big sky conference men's basketball and women's basketball coverage throughout the week trisha binford's going to join us later on this week from montana state as is danny sprinkle as he always does Derek carter hollinger from the university of montana men's basketball team's joining us this week as well and our espn roundtable this week will feature shantae leggins fourth year head basketball coach from eastern washington and uh, one of my favorite guys is in the league to talk to. We're going to talk a lot of stuff now with Coach Ty, as we always do. But Ty Gregorek, longtime college football assistant, 
And uh, we've done the show in Missoula a lot of times, but now we're doing it in Bozeman. This is great. How you doing, my man? Culture, I'm good. I didn't even know you were uh, showing up. I was just sitting here playing, <laughs> playing some Kino, and, uh, you know, I, I love the pod, too. So it's good to see you. This is impromptu radio at its <laughs> finest, but you got to love it. And so if you hear some natural sound in the background, well, that's how it goes. But uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit more about this Brent Vegan hiring because uh, Coach Ty, he's been on to analyze this with us when Jeff Choke first left. But there's some new dynamics now with a new head coach in the fold, as well as some things with some staff retention as well. But we got to start with something that came out of nowhere, came out of left field today. And this was something that was, uh, th- this one, I don't know this guy. I never interviewed him, never met him. But it punched me right in the gut when I saw this. Vincent Jackson, former Northern Colorado star and a longtime NFL standout, passed away abruptly over the weekend. Only 38 years old. Uh, but, you know, as I put on Twitter, when people ask, you know, I've been covering Big Sky Conference football now since 2005, and you always get the question, who's the best opposing player you've seen at Washington Grizzly Stadium or at Bobcat Stadium? And the guy who always was the first answer for me to Washington Grizzly Stadium was Vincent Jackson. I think it was in 2004 when in, when Northern Colorado was still Division II. They came to Missoula. I mean, he had a punt return for a touchdown. He had like 275 yards receiving. You're sitting there thinking, how is this guy a D2 guy? But I'll never forget that performance. I know you were coaching for the Grizz back then when you played against Vincent Jackson. Uh, so that must have been sobering for you to hear that he passed away as well. Well, and, and not only that, just when you when you see a guy's age, you know, and you're sitting here, I mean, I'm 42 years old. I mean, he's not even 30. He's, 30, he's not even 40. That's yeah, crazy. You know, and you sit there and you go, my goodness, you know, you just, you hate seeing people pass too young, you know, and I, I, I don't know much about the guy now. I, I think he has a family. Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes from this, you know, like why was he at a Homewood Suites for a month or, you know, I, right. I just kind of saw it and it's been, you know, blowing up all over social media, you know, you just hope, I don't know, you just kind of feel for the family and it's... He's got kids and his wife, and uh, but you're right. I mean, the guy was, he's one of those stories, you know, one of the things about not just FCS football, but all of football, all of sport, you know, where you hear these stories about a guy out of high school that grows like five or six inches sure. in college and, and he becomes this phenom, you know, you're right. I mean, I he was definitely one of the most special guys that I ever had to coach against. You know, he's up there with Jared Allen, yeah. you know, when you, when, you, when you got Carson Wentz across from me. And, you know, there, you know I, I was I was at Montana and Montana State for 15 years, so yeah. I saw a lot of great players. You got to coach a lot of great mm-hmm. players. I mean, Trumaine Johnson at one point was the highest paid corner in the league. You for know? sure. But no, he is definitely in the in the top five. You know, just when you when you look across the field, you're going, why is that guy at Northern Colorado? Right. You know, because he was different to say the least. I mean, my number one guy is the most obvious answer, and that's Cooper Cup, because Cup was not only utterly dominant and he was not only just absolutely unguardable but it was the fact that he did it every single week i actually went through our archives at skyline sports and because of a variety of different reasons namely because during cup's career both the montana schools were actually not in the playoffs more often than not so because of that we sort of hitched our wagons at skylinesportsmt.com to eastern washington we drove to cheney for the playoffs because they were making runs all the way to the semifinals and the finals uh, for the duration of cup's career and so i ended up getting to cover cooper cup live and in person 13 times in his career and I went through the, the statistics. There was a game in Missoula where he had nine catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. And that was his worst game that I watched. Yeah. I went through the, the averages. 
He averaged, Cooper Cup, in my 13 times covering him live and in person, 11 catches for 182 yards and two and a half touchdowns. That was his average game. Yeah. And so he, I mean, he was just silly. But he's also one of those ones where um, it's a little bit easier to explain him because if you know where he's from, Yakima, Washington, you know the high school he went to, A.C. Davis High School, which is an inner city high school that had no football tradition. And you realize that the guy was like 5'11", 170 pounds coming out of high school, and then he blossomed into this 6'2", 210-pound guy. It's a little bit more easy to understand. I never could get the Vincent Jackson thing because this dude was 6'5", 230 yeah. from day one. So I know you coached against Cup, too, but who else pops to your mind as far as guys you well, coached you, against? I mean, you're right. And, and, and what, what made Cooper so special was just his – obviously the guy wore – I mean, okay – some God-given stuff, no question. For sure. Genetics, but he obviously works and is, con- you know, continuing to work outwork, you know, so much of the population. I mean, the guy was such a, a precise route runner. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. But he's just a. He's one of those guys where if you're the Rams or any other team, you'd always want a guy like that on your team, like a, you know, like a, and obviously Colt, you know, guys like Colt Anderson. They right. never had. You know, a primetime role on offense or defense, but you know they're a they're a program guy. For sure. You know, they'll never get in trouble off the field. They're they're always gonna be loyal. Probably never have to pay him a ton, but they're just you know, they're they're one of those guys you want to have on the team. Uh, you know, so to answer your question, yeah, I mean shoot, got got to got to play against a lot of great, great players in, in, in my time in the big sky. And you know, that that's why I mean I think you and I talked maybe a couple shows ago, just kind of the, the impact that this COVID and everything has had because there wasn't one big Sky player drafted this year, right? Not for the one. first time in like what? Forever. Forever. And, and my whole time covering the league, I don't think. And, and, and so that's where you sit there and you go, man, this this thing's going to have kind of a lasting effect because, the, the, you know, the big, especially guys from the big sky, those type of guys, they need those pro days. They need to get invited to a to a, a senior bowl or a, a, what is it, the East West Shrine or whatever, whatever those games are. And so, yeah, man, I, I got to coach against a lot of players. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, it's sad to see a guy that, you know, Obviously, you had, you know, your paths have crossed. It's For sure, sad. it's sad to see a young man lose his life, and it'll be interesting to see what they what they come up with and how he passed. And it was, I mean, I think something that's unfortunate about this society in general is we oftentimes romanticize and remember people maybe better than we when we should. I shouldn't say better than they deserve, but we it automatically impacts us when it's such a young death, and then all of a sudden all the good things that somebody did come to the surface. But by all accounts, Vincent Jackson was a wonderful guy. I mean, I think he was the. Tam- Bay Buccaneers man of the year four times. I think he was the NFL man of the year one year as well. So he's a guy that was engaged in his community. So, um, I mean, rest in peace to Vincent Jackson. A, a tragic day for those who follow Northern Colorado and football out west in general. But I want to talk to you about the, the other element of this. One of my favorite parts about covering the Big Sky and the FCS is what you are when you're 18 and what you are when you're 23 is completely different. And you never know what's going to happen. You could have a guy that's a grown man when he's 18, 19 years old that never gets any better whatsoever. You could also have a guy who's nothing when he's 18 years old and becomes an NFL draft pick. I remember like when we were in school, Chase Reynolds was only a grade younger than I am. And when Chase was first playing at Montana and he was a uh, he was experimenting at wide receiver, we were always just uh, all my buddies were football were like, man, you gotta hang it up. Like you have no chance. And then once he got moved back to running back, I think he rushed for like 250 yards against Northern Colorado in his first game. And he goes on to become the, the most prolific running back in the history of the league. Part of that circumstance. Part of it's a sense of belief, but 
part of it's also just your ability to develop. And we saw it over and over and over again. You know, guys like Colt Anderson, who were, you know, very average players in high school who go on to be drafted. But I mean, as a coach, you were around so many of these guys. What are the elements that go into that? Uh, guys that blossom late and become elite players, uh, even if they weren't maybe that highly recruited out of high school? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like anything, uh, kind of what, what we were just saying, a little bit of genetics, right? Mom and dad, you got to give you something. For sure. Uh, working your butt off, hard work, uh, work ethic, will, desire, and luck. Yeah. You know, it takes a little bit of luck. It takes it takes uh, a franchise to believe in you. To you know, if you're a if you're a Caucasian fella from Butte, Montana, or Drummond, Montana, obviously you had a nice career at the FCS level. Okay, what what, what are you going to do that you're playing against the best players and best athletes in the world? In the world, right? You know, and so uh, I, I think you, you know you see it recruiting you know come be developed and you know sure. this and this and that, that that's a huge part of it anymore i mean truly with you know get, getting good coaches and you know and a strength and conditioning staff and nutrition people that can that can really help maximize those things you know because the average 18 to 23 year old i mean you, you and i've been there i mean sure College is a lot of fun, right? I mean, <laughs> that's you, right. and you can maximize right. a lot of things that's in right. college that's too. Right. And you know, obviously, it takes it takes very driven, uh, tunnel tunnel vision type guys. I mean, you just sit there and you look at some of the greats right now, like you know the Trevor Lawrence and stuff. I mean, obviously, he's so physically gifted, but that guy just looks like he's got tunnel vision as to what he wants to do in his life. Right. The hype's never gotten to him, even though he's been the number one pick since yeah. he was 17 years old. He yeah. still is focused. No, no for question. Sure. You know, I mean, I, I, I know I kind of have an understanding of your opinion on Tom Brady. <laughs> But you sit there and you go, my goodness, this guy is so focused on greatness. Impossible to not admire him. No, it, it is impossible. You know, it, it, Candace and I were laughing, you know, the, all the pictures of him looking like he was hammered on the on the boat parade. I'm like, honey, the guy probably hasn't had a beer in a half a year. At least. You know, for so sure. you, you, give, you give the guy a couple cold ones uh, <laughs> on a boat. I mean, he, it's going to take some, some, some large men to help him get off. I mean, the guy's just, he lives that clean and, you know, so... Anyway, it's it, you know it's it's so impressive. Like you know, I, I use Brock as an example, and obviously Brock Coyle, really yeah, close. Brock Jordan, those guys. You know, and I've told you this. You had to boot him out of the office. Yeah, you, you know, it's like, right. Hey guys, go home. Go 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 have a go to stocks. Go go do go be college dudes. Right. They were just so, and I know they did that stuff when the when the time was right. But you know, they were just such driven young men, and, and, and you can't help but but admire it. Uh, you, 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 even as an older guy, you know. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula statewide SWX Montana Television. If you're watching on TV and you see an empty studio, it's because I'm in Bozeman. Coulter Nuana's Tiger. Gregorak broadcasting to you from the heart of the Gallatin Valley. And uh, Ty, I think I have, a one more, I have one more question about this. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, I think that coaches and old track coaches specifically, and football coaches too, have been telling football guys to do track forever. But I think that it didn't start sticking until you had tangible ability to search track results on the internet. Athletic.net changed everything because now you have track results from everywhere from Fairview, Montana to Ellensburg, Washington and everybody in between. And even if the timing mechanism might not be absolutely you know, Olympic caliber, the gun doesn't lie. You run this time, you run this time. And I think that guys in football recruiting have realized, hey, 
if I'm a small school guy or I'm an underdeveloped guy or whatever, I want to go prove to coaches that I can make this happen, what do you need to do? Well, if you run a 10-5 in the 100, it doesn't matter where you're living, you run a 10-5 in the 100. So do you feel like now more sort of quote-unquote diamonds in the rough are getting unearthed because of the track times? Yeah, I, I, I mean, kind of like what we were talking about the last time I was with you, just playing sports. For sure, go, go, for out, sure. Going out, I mean, whether it's you know baseball in the spring or, you know, like you said, track, I mean, yeah, I'll be honest. Herbert Gamboa, if you turn his high school film, you know, he's an undersized guy. Probably maybe six feet tall, maybe. 190 no, pounds. He yeah, six feet. I mean, yeah, right. Probably not even six feet. But you turn his film and you're like, whoa, okay. I mean, he's got some pop he can hit. Right. But that, like you're saying, oh, yeah, he runs the 100. And then you pull up his track time, you're going, oh, my gosh. I mean, I remember actually kind of going back and forth with flu, you know, because, you know, he's just, again, what was he going to play? Is he a safety? Is he an outside backer? You know, just because he, he wasn't that big at that point. And you remember the way he finished his career. I mean, the guy's rocked. I mean, he's still playing oh, for sure. over in Europe. For sure. Living the dream, I guess. But, you know, yeah, I, I think, A, just playing sports in general. But, yeah, those track times, I, I, I'll be honest, though. It's when you say unearthed, if you can play, they'll find you. For sure. You know, that, that's the thing. I mean, it, and I, I mentioned Carson Wentz earlier. I, I, I laugh at some of these pundits on ESPN, and, you know, they, they just rail on Carson Wentz and Jimmy G. And I'm sitting there going, hey, guys, remember, these guys were FCS ball players. If, right. they were, if they were that good, I mean, Minneapolis is three hours away, right, from Fargo. For sure. Why wasn't he a Big Ten player? And these right. guys were still FCS guys. And I guess what I'm saying is, if you can play, they'll find you. For sure. I was on a loud, I mean, I love West Valley High School in Spokane, Washington. We were terrible. Right. Right? But I could play a little bit, and, and, I, and I had opportunities to go, you know, a lot of different places. If you can play, they'll find you. Right. And the other thing is, too, if you have the opportunity, because a lot of times circumstances do go into it, too. And I, I went with this, with, uh, through this with my brother, you know, because my brother had his whole senior year ended by injuries. But a lot of times, too, you can bet on yourself. I mean, I remember Caleb Tribice, who played defensive end at Montana State. And I remember coming into spring ball of his, I guess it would have been redshirt sophomore year. They basically were like, hey, son, we got a spot for you at Montana Tech. And, uh, you know, we like your academic side of things, but we just don't think you can play at this level. And he said, no, no, screw that. Give me one more spring. And then he absolutely went to work, put his nose to the grindstone, and transformed his entire body. And then two years later, he's a first-team All-American Buck Buchanan Award winner. So a lot of times, if you bet on yourself, too. That, I mean, I know Colt was like that when Cole Anderson was coming out of high school. We were like, man, the kid from Butte who went defeated in high school, he's walking on. Like, our guys that were first-team All-State at Missoula, big guy should walk on, too, then. Well, then, of course, Colt proved everybody wrong. One last question on this because I, this is actually a fascinating topic to me. How much of the internal workings of a locker room and a weight room do you think influence development? In other words, do you think guys like Brock Coyle and Jordan Tripp had a, an, uh, an elevated ability to move on to the next level because they had a blueprint from guys that came before them? Like how important is the accountability within the locker room and the weight room in developing into an NFL caliber player? I think it's huge, and I think you and I have actually talked on this before. You know, one of the things I noticed when I got, and again, I spent a dozen years, I mean, like a good chunk of my adult life in Missoula, Montana, with right, the Grizz. Right. And when I got here, at least at that time, and I know you, you've harped on it, you know, ad nauseum about the culture and the way it was at that time. Right. One of the biggest things I noticed, and, and again, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say that's all, you know, generations of Bobcat. I'm just telling you my opinion, and I, and I think you and I probably share this opinion because you know the inner workings of that sure. team. Where where Montana. Had, you know, I mean, and, and, I've, and I've mentioned this before. It was almost like tough love. The upper classmen, the older guys. It, it, you know, yeah, they're gonna we're gonna wine and dine you and take you to the depot and give you a, a, a hundred ounce prime rib and it's gonna be awesome. And they want they want good players to join them. 
But when you got into the program, there was some tough love. And that's one of the things I noticed when I got here is that element was missing just a little bit. I'm not saying I'm not saying for it, sure it hadn't been there, you know, for a while. It just wasn't for it, sure. It didn't to for me sure. seem that there was that those upperclassmen being like, no, this I, is how we do it. Not that way. This is how we do it. I've talked so much about this with the guys from the early Rob Ash era that were actually recruited by Mike Kramer because so much of the culture from the Kramer years, particularly like the D-block defense and the Pete Kwiatkowski-led scheme and all that, like when the, Montana State was really good on defense in the mid-2000s, then a lot of those guys that came to play for Montana State, like Bobby Daly and Dane Fletcher and Mike Person, and the guys that were kind of the building blocks of those 2009-2010 teams that were good and the 2010 team which won a championship, they started passing that culture along. And so then the guys that were in the early portions of the Ash success, 2010 to 2012, they had it because they learned it. But then there was a breaking point where it wasn't passed along. I think we saw that with the Grizz, too. It was an organizational thing for a long time. But then the less guys there are, then the more ostracized the guys that are trying to be those guys to pass it along become. And then all of a sudden, it becomes this, this completely disjointed thing, right? Yeah. Well, totally. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I was only with, with Bob Stitt for one year. Sure. But when you're when you're trying to go, no, I, I, yeah, I know you guys have done it that way for 30 years and right. had nothing but success for the last 25. <laughs> right. But we're gonna we're gonna change Grizz Jacks. Right. And, and we're gonna do it the way we did at Colorado School of Mines. You sit there and go, hey man, I mean, you gotta do you, but like this is a pretty small thing that's been a part of what they know. For sure. If you're a fifth year guy, this is what they know. Like, is right. it that big of a deal? Like, right. let them keep Grizz Jacks the same. For I sure. guarantee when Bobby got back, Grizz Jacks went back to being Grizz Jacks. You right. Know? And, I mean, the kids running before practice. I mean, we, we we would run wind sprints before practice because a 3.9 student got a, a C on a pop quiz. It, it, you know, the one year I was standing, I'm going, what are we doing? I mean, they, they, what are we doing here, guys? I mean, what, you know, hey, everybody's got their own spin on running a program. But you, which I think what you're saying is correct. There's just certain things and traditions that, you know, and, and again, I'm not. I'm not saying that that was the way it was here in Bozeman for a long time. I'm just saying when I got here, it didn't seem like it. Just seemed, it, seemed, it, it seems like it was off. It just it was something was missing. No question. More on this and more on the new hiring for Montana State football as well. Ty Gregorak joining us on Nuanas now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well. Statewide SWX Montana Television. We're going to talk the coaching change in Bozeman as well as a couple other elements. I got an interesting question for Ty. Just how hard is it to become a defensive coordinator at the Division One level? Well, how hard is it to be in the line of fire calling plays? Nuanas now, back after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Breeze keeps killing it on the music choices. Gotta love it. Metallica is always good, but especially on a Monday, especially when you're rolling through. Nirvana is now on 1029 ESPN Missoula as well as around the great state of Montana on SWX Montana Television. If you're watching on SWX, you probably see an empty radio studio. You can uh, you can see all my great 
pieces of literature. I got my bookshelf set up in there. Got all my sports books there. I'm going to save the philosophical ones for later on. Maybe when Ryan Tutel makes his illustrious return, uh, if and when that ever happens. But we're having a great time here on Nuanas now. It's been a, uh, I'm going to call it a groundbreaking day. Shout out to the boys back at the studio. Both Tommy Evans and Reese Wilson, the engineers, they're killing it for Nuanas now. And we're broadcasting live right now from Bozeman, Montana. It's a radio in an iPad. I can't believe it possibly is working, but it certainly is. And I'm sitting here right in the heart of the Gallatin Valley with my good buddy and a great friend of this show, Ty Gregorak, former University of Montana and Montana State football coach. And we're talking all things college football. We kind of rambled off the beaten path, as we always do, uh, the, the first part of the 5 o'clock hour here. But main reason we want to talk uh, is about the interview I had in the first segment, that was with Brent Vegan, the new head coach for the Montana State Bobcats. Vegan is a, not a well-traveled guy, but a guy that is very uh, familiar in this neck of the woods. He takes over from Jeff Choate as the 33rd head coach for the Montana State Bobcats. He was at North Dakota State between his time as a player and a coach from 1994 all the way through 2013, so nearly 20 years. He won a national championship as a Division II player and then helped lead NDSU into the Division I era and then into the Missouri Valley Football Conference and then ultimately to three consecutive national titles. As a member of Craig Bowles staff, he's also spent the last seven seasons as the offensive coordinator uh, for the Wyoming Cowboys in Laramie. So if you missed that interview, you can check it out in the podcast. But Ty, we had you on the show uh, when Coach Choate first moved on, and we analyzed all the different elements of this hiring and where it could go. It took 17 days. There was a lot of names in the mix. There was a lot of people on the hiring committee. But at the end of the day, they got a guy who I think uh, probably actually fits their identity of what they need for the immediate future more than any of the other candidates. So I know you followed along pretty closely with all this, your impressions of Brent Beacon's hiring at Montana State. Well, I think it's a good hire, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I don't love how they got there, though. Right. My right. Um, the guy's got a championship pedigree. He's been at the FCS level and, and been at the highest. You know, he went through a transition from Division Two to uh, FCS and has been nothing but successful. You know, you said he's not well traveled, but man, what a successful career when you really look at it in national championships and, and taking part. And people forget. I mean, I know, I know transitioning from you know, D2 to FCS or FCS to FBS, I know that's hard, but people forget any of you I mean, no, I mean, they were beyond awesome, man. I mean, they won like 25 college championships, and they won 10 plus Division II national championships. I mean, it's just. I mean, they they beat the Grizz in Missoula when they were still Division II. Yeah, I, mean, I think I, I remember. Hey, yeah, Ty was on the sideline. I mean, I think I think they were such a good transitioning program that I think actually their first year in Division One they went 10 and one. But they didn't even miss a step. They, they've just been winning in Fargo for since the 60s, really. No, it's, 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 when you look at what he's done, I, I think it's, I think it's a good fit. You know, the, the development of an offense, yeah. So, so we're kind of shifting gears from, from, from well, probably in a lot of ways, right? From coach Chuck to Coach Vegan, but he's an offensive-minded guy. Uh, he's developed some fantastic quarterbacks and improved some quarterbacks, which, Say I don't love how they got there. 
I mean, I, I guess, what's with the committee thing anymore? I know it's 2021, I know everything's gotta be PC and you can buy a hub and you got current players, like, like who's, who's calling the shots? And, you know, this is all what we do, you got, you got Dandy, the headweight ball coach, you got current players. And, and, and I guess my point there is, okay, so if the players kind of, you know, I don't know how they do it, cast a vote and say, well, sure. well you know what? We like the guy from Iowa. We like Coach Wilson from Iowa. Sure. We think he's our kind of guy. Right. And I say, oh, I appreciate who put down the suggestion box. We're going to hire the guy from Iowa. Right. So what's the point of having the players For on, sure. on the committee? You either have the players pick the coach or you got to have the boss pick the coach. And if you have anybody but the boss pick the coach, then... That is so it's a whole different can yes. of worms. You know, I don't know what's true. I mean, you, you, you know it. Uh, you, you've got your little birdies. So, well, well connected. Who was? What guy was a real player and not? Sure. Okay. And then, oh, by the way, if you if you throw in your name as a become an FCS law So I think that it's accentuated at a higher level. I also think the way that this coaching search was covered, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but the fact that we do have the ability to talk about it so often and on Twitter and on social media and then write stories about, you know, this guy was in town for an interview. The incremental portions of the hire, I think it puts it into a sharper lens for the public to consume. And so then maybe you're getting scrutinized at a higher level. But I totally agree with you. At the end of the day, as this thing all comes full circle, you hired a guy who has a proven track record of liking to run the ball, who's played in cold weather climates, and who has a proven track record of developing quarterbacks. And I think all those things are going to be good for Montana State. Well, I, I also think for, for what is in place right now, his style of offense actually fits pretty good. He's going to run power 30 times a game. He's going to run gap scheme. 
and hopefully, hopefully whoever the trigger man is, whether it's Tucker or, or, or whoever, you know, they can develop him into you know, making making quick snap decisions. Some threats on the perimeter, uh, like a couple of their slot guys. But I mean, offensively, for what's been going on the last four years, it gels pretty good. I mean, the guy's going to run the ball, and, and, and hopefully the, the run will set up some, some some nice shots down the field. You know, and and and, and the thing is, uh, you know, and, and obviously, I, I again, I just read and listen to you, your stuff, but. You know, I think keeping the bulk of the staff in place was probably a big priority for Leon. You know, because I've heard him say, I've heard him say, uh, you know, nothing's broken. Okay, well, that, that, that might be true, I guess. But, okay, how do we get to that next step? And, you know, finishing tied for third, you know, isn't, isn't a, in the big sky, isn't, isn't the end all at Montana State. You know, sure. so I, uh, I think it's a good hire. I think you seem to know or at least have an idea what's going on defensively. I, I just haven't heard. It sounds like yeah. everybody on offense. I know. I know everybody on offense is retained. Besides Eric Frazier, the wide receivers coach, who moved on to take a job with the Tennessee Titans. Um, it remains. I mean, this, this whole thing's in flux too because there's not a spring season coming up. It's not going to be till the fall. So now there's going to be an evaluation part, I think, in the spring as well. But you know, you keep Brian Armstrong. I think that that's a solid move because you have a senior-laden offensive line that are used to his coaching style. I don't think you want to start from scratch with those guys. You keep BJ. Robertson because of his ties to everything in Montana, director of high school operations, and then you're just going to play. I mean, he's a, a guy that's fluid. He could coach a lot of positions, so I think you find a spot for him. You know, Jimmy Beal at running back, I think you got to have a minority coach on your staff on the offensive side, first and foremost, but he's also a great recruiter, and, uh, you know, he's got the title of recruiting coordinator, so you need to hold that portion of the staff together. You hire your own OC, you move the OC and Justin Udy to a different position at coaching wide receivers because that guy hasn't coached a game at Montana State either, so, okay, there's your offensive staff. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, I've heard that Bobby Daly is safe regardless of which position that he's going to take. Uh, he's coached linebackers. I know he's in the mix for the defensive coordinator job. So, that's here and over there. And then, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on with Kyle Reisinger, the secondary coach, as well as Byron Howe, the defensive line coach. And uh, those guys, you know, they both have familiarity with their groups. How mainly because he's been there uh, for five years and four seasons. But uh, still, it remains to be seen. But Kyle's been here the whole time, too. Right, right. He came in as a GA, all right, or, or, or as a, a you know a young fella trying to make his way, and then was promoted. Kyle's been Kyle's been here the whole time since, since Jeff got the job. In fact, he came with Gerald Alexander from Indiana State. All right, so I mean, yes, there's a lot of familiarity. I just, I think it's so interesting, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Okay, what happens after spring ball? And again, I don't know the ins and outs as to why certain guys maybe were offered the job and not taken or, or, or and turned down the job. Maybe money had to do with it, but I know that if I'm, you know, getting a chance to be a, a, a head football coach, I also want to hire the guys that I want to hire. You know, and so. It'll be interesting to see. That's all I'll say is, is you know, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. And, again, a lot of those guys are friends, and, I, you know, I, I hope the best for them. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little bit of movement, maybe after spring ball or even after 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 Coach Beacon's first year. I don't know. We'll see. This is what we're going to do. It sounds like we're having a maybe a little technical difficulty, but that's to be expected as we continue to experiment on Nuanez now. It is 1029 ESPN Missoula statewide on SWX Montana Television. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk a little bit more about calling defensive football games and the assemblage of a staff at the Division I level. It is 1029 ESPN Missoula as well as SWX. 
Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. Welcome back in. Juanez now. 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide SWX Montana Television. If you're watching on the TV, you'll notice you don't see me. That's because I am in the beautiful city of Bozeman, Montana. The Arctic Tundra. If you think it's cold in Missoula, we ain't got nothing on Bozeman. It is super cold over here. But thanks so much for listening in on your Monday. It's been a great show uh, on a Monday as we've been doing a lot more football than usual than we do in the uh, month of February. We're happy to bring it to you. If you missed anything in the first two hours of the show, we have it for you on the podcast. The podcast is available on all your various podcasting platforms as well as on 1029ESPN.com. All you got to do is go to the podcast tab. Please rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. Brent Vegan, new head coach for the Montana State Bobcat football team, joined us at the top of the hour. Uh, we also had some feedback and some interviews with Josh Vasquez and Cam Parker from the University of Montana men's basketball team, as well as Danny Sprinkle and Xavier Bishop from the MSU men's basketball team. And hour number two, our good buddy and friend of the show, Ty Gregorak, has been helping take you home. We talked a lot about development at the FCS level when it comes to talent and recruiting. We also talked about the Brent Vegan hiring. And now, Ty, I have a question for you. You were an assistant at the Division I level for a really long time. You coached linebackers at Montana 2003 through 2009. And then when you returned to Montana on Robin Flugrad's staff, you became the defensive coordinator. And then you were a D.C. for most of the last decade in the Big Sky, both at Montana and Montana State. When you first went from go- coaching linebackers to then calling plays, I mean, what was the most challenging and difficult part about that? I mean, just how hard is it to go from a defensive position coach to the guy that's actually calling the shots on game day yeah there, I mean there definitely is a learning curve you know and I and I felt like I felt like I you know I, I always loved coaching linebackers I mean I played linebackers since I could you know basically put on pads for the first time at Centennial Middle School off of Argonne 990 uh, it, definitely a learn, learning curve though you know you you, you kind of learn as you go a little bit I mean co- coach flew I mean, it was, you know, I, I have a ton of respect for Coach Flew just as a person and a coach, but the fact that he gave me that opportunity, you know, and, and to follow up uh, Mike Bresky, who, you know, obviously won multiple national championships at, 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 at a couple different levels and, and a very aggressive style. And, Mike, you know, it's funny because Mike and I always got along well, you know, and I, and I told I told Flew and, I, and I, you know, probably you, uh, you know, when I when I was promoted, you know, I, I worked for Jeff Hammerschmidt or worked with Jeff Hammerschmidt. Yep. I worked with Craig Paulson. I worked with Mike Bresky. You know, I played at Colorado uh, under some great defensive coordinators. Um, you, you know, I was at Washington uh, for two years as a GA. So you just kind of take things as you, you know, the, the, the longer you're in it. And you, you, okay, I like that. I like that. And, you know, for a while there, um, you know, I, I remember kind of being labeled, you know, like, oh, he doesn't blitz as much as Bresky. Well, hey. Nobody blitzes as much. 
Brzezinski. Well, but, 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 but you and I were talking, like, I mean, if you watch the Super Bowl, you know, and, you know, I, I remember when, when Seattle had the Legion of Boom. If you can rush four. You do. If you can rush four, that's what you do. Right. And for a long time there with the Grizz, we had bookend dudes, some of the, you know, some of the best DNs, you know, and Zach Wagaman and Tyrone Holmes. And, and even before I became a coordinator, we had great DNs. And then in the middle, we had, you know, guys like Tonga Takai and, and Craig Mettler and, and just some fantastic, uh, fan, you know, a, a fantastic D-line. And, and really, our D-line was our strength there for a long time. And we had great linebackers. Our secondary, especially if we're just talking about, you know, being a coordinator, our secondary, we, you know, we, we didn't have probably as talented a group uh, as we did up front. And so, uh, you know, there, there's a learning curve. You know, you just try to you try to give give the kids something they can believe in each week. You know, you're trying to sell your guys every week. Like, hey, here's the game plan. This is it. Go, you know, go execute it. This, you know, it's, this is your test. It's my test, too. You know, so, and that's something I miss the most about coaching, honestly, is the boys and Saturdays. Because that everybody knows, if <laughs> you know, as my grandpa always says, hey, if we got a bad month there in private business in Spokane, for, if we got a bad month, we can just kind of put it in the drawer and, you know, it kind of goes away a little bit. Just having to have a good month the next month. You have a bad game, everybody knows about it and everybody talks about it, especially in the state of Montana. But that, you know, that's something you love about these two schools and, you know, the, the love for football is, and these programs is high and it's, it's a fun to be a part of. It's so interesting, too, when you talk about new coaching hires. A lot of times it's like a pendulum that swings back and forth. A lot of times schools decide to go the opposite direction of where they were going. Jeff Choate was certainly a defensive-minded coach at Montana State. Now they hire a guy who's been an offensive coordinator for the better part of 15 years and an offensive coach for his entire football career. And the one spot that's now open at Montana State that remains open, at least to my knowledge as of right now, you know, 5.50 p.m. on Monday, is the defensive coordinator job. And so a two-part question for you, Ty. How crucial is this hire for Montana State? And if, I mean, should a high priority be put on an experienced guy or could a up-and-comer and or a guy who's never done a defensive coordinating position do this? I mean, how, how important is this for a team that returns some of the best talent in the entire Big Sky Conference defensively? I think it's a huge hire, um, especially with with, and, and I don't know his philosophy. I don't know how much he'll, you know, be be in on defensive meetings, and you know, he, he's an offensive guy. I don't know how much of a hand he will have uh, on the offensive side. I mean, he's the head coach, so you know, every everything is kind of signed, sealed, and delivered by you know Thursday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday, in terms of the game plan. So, I think it's a big hire. I really do, just because um, he's a new guy. They've got an experienced group on defense uh, for the most part uh, at almost at almost every position, really. I mean, I, I, it's probably safety and corner right, with just with injuries and some dudes uh, leaving here and there. But I think it's a big hire. I really do. And, and uh, obviously the guys that remain are, are probably qualified. Um, I don't think Bobby's never done it right. Now. Bobby Daly's never been a DC. Yeah, so, so not one of them has done it. I don't think that that's necessarily a knock on one of those guys, but it's kind of what I was telling you a couple weeks ago on your show when you asked me what kind of a coach should they, and I, and I think I mentioned maybe someone with a little bit of head coaching experience. Well, they didn't go that route, even though they got a guy who I think has got a great pedigree of championship football at the FCS level. 
I think I think, and I'll, and I'll be honest too. Uh, just thinking about the ages and experience of some of these coaches on the D staff, I would say is Bobby probably the oldest coach on the staff? I mean, it's a young group. Yeah, Bobby, I mean Bobby Daly is he's two years older than I am, so he's mid thirties, and okay. uh, yeah, Kyle Reisinger and, and yeah, Byron so, Howard are both young. So he he is the oldest. I, I would say just just in my experience with those guys, he is the oldest and probably most experienced. Um, so you know, in my mind, if you could find a, a guy with some defensive coordinating experience, probably be a good thing. Uh, you know, just with a new new head coach with an offensive background. Nuanez, now it's been a fun Monday. I got to ask you one more question here, Ty. If they went a, a complete defensive overhaul, a schematic change, I mean, because Montana State's been running a, an odd man front basically for the last handful of years with Jeff Choate at the helm. Do they need to hire somebody that's going to run a similar scheme, or is it possible to have a defensive overhaul just in terms of scheme during this upcoming offseason? No, I, because, because here's the deal. Yes, what you just said is, is right. But MSU is extremely multiple. They, they, right. They, they play an odd three, four, we'll call it. But but they get into four you know they get into four down stuff a lot when you look, when you look at that buck position it is very much a hybrid position in terms of outside linebacker D end that guy's got to be able to do both he's got to be able to stand up in a two point he's got to be able to put his hand down and so they, they get into multiple fronts it, it, I mean a lot during the game if you really evaluate the game they're they're in odd looks and, and even looks a lot. I don't think that, that that's an end-all. I really don't. Um, again, it'll be interesting. I mean, the, the, the entire offensive staff was retained with one, one position change, so I would imagine, if I was a betting guy, that a good chunk of the defensive staff will will have jobs come you know tomorrow morning or Wednesday morning whatever. The question is who's who's going to be calling those those plays and they, they probably have to hire one more guy now. Who's that guy going to be and, and and what's his background? I mean, it, hey, you want you want to see a team that plays good defense? Go to Fargo, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he has plenty con- con- connections still there. That you know maybe it's a young guy or a guy that is a position coach that wants wants a crack at being a coordinator and making a little more money. Uh, th- those guys have been playing uh, really good defense for over a decade now. So, no, nah, I mean, he'll pick, a, he'll pick a great great dude, whoever it is. Ty, this was fun. Thank you so much. One more night in Bozeman for me. I'll be hitting the highway again back to the west side of the Continental Divide uh, early afternoon tomorrow. Brent Vegan officially introduced as the head coach for the Montana State Bobcats tomorrow morning around 11 a.m. Also got an interview with Danny Sprinkle. By the way, breaking news out of Montana State because of multiple COVID-related issues. The Montana Montana State basketball team shut down for the foreseeable future. I'll get you a timeline on that. And uh, probably won't be talking to Coach Sprinkle about that. Probably just be recapping his games with Eastern Washington from over the weekend. But uh, I'll be back in the studio taking you home on a Tuesday. Riley Corcoran is going to swing by. We're going to talk about Michael Stedman entering the NCAA transfer portal in the middle of the season. I've never actually seen as many midseason transfers as the University of Montana men's basketball team has had, but we'll continue to break that down. We'll also have our Treasure State Stars, as we do each and every Tuesday. And uh, we might have a couple other impromptu interviews, although now that I got the news that the Montana State-Idaho State series on the men's side is canceled, i got to send a whole bunch of new emails because I think uh, we're going to have a completely different slate for the rest 
rest of the week, but it should be a fun week. Shante Leggins is going to join us from Eastern Washington for the ESPN Roundtable later on this week. And, of course, we'll be bringing you all that you want, all you need from around the Treasure State as we do each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for listening. Be good. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.